Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode 171. You're going to be staring at this weird water bottle the whole time. Oh, is that so water? Into Can you it. believe it? It's I'm like so a, into it. What is it? It looks like a Dr. Mario pill. Did you pill. get it in a gift bag? Of course I did. Oh! <laughs> Why would I? And I feel like I'm carrying it around now because I know if I get rid of it, it's going in the ocean. Let's, but, yeah. Yeah, but it is, bro. At, let's look. No, you should. What is the top? I don't know. If you ever get rid of it, what you have to give it is to it me. Is it a cup? Oh, shit. That's, I know. That's what I'm saying. Slurp, slurp. <laughs> First of all, how much more elegant did Brian become? You just... You, In 30 seconds, he be, he went from being like some guy to like an elegant guy. To like a Michelin-rated water bottle. It can go either way, which not all water bottles can do. I wow. Mean, you uh, could, but yours uh, has what's a... Ha- what's happening here? <laughs> I can't do it. It's not happening. <laughs> It also, you By have a carabiner way, top, which you yeah, use every day, right? Which I, yeah, when you mountain a, climbing. I have grappling hooks and stuff in Manhattan. You put your baby in the swaddle uh, and just go up the breakneck ridge upstate. Why use the elevator? <laughs> Guys, do we even have to do the show? Or can we just talk oh about water bottles? Oh, my God. Water and you're way, doing a single-use cup here, which is Which bold, is why political. you're evil. Well, what's different is that I'm going to walk Fucking this cup into the water and drop it in directly. I'm not even going to use the recycling. I've seen you at the right East River. Yes. <laughs> I just take my recycling and dump it right in. Hello, hello. 
this is Make the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and where we gently affix a bib on democracy to catch all the drool and barbecue sauce. I'm your host, Nikeen Farsad, and I obsessively refresh the impeachment page in the Times so you don't have to. Today, we're going to talk about that ongoing impeachment inquiry against our world-historically terrible president. And finally, how should you give advice to people that they'll actually take? I'm so excited by the panel today. Joining us for the first time. Oh my god. This is a he's a he's an elegant man. Um <laughs> Is that a euphemism? <laughs> he's fabulous. True words were never spoken in relation to you being elegant. <laughs> no, and he's got the cuffs of his jean jacket rolled up just so. Well, I don't want it to like fall into my gravy. <laughs> This is a beautiful Thanksgiving spread you have here. It's what we do every Thursday. Every Thursday at Fake the Nation. Can't you guys. wait for the fourth fourth course. <laughs> he's a comedian. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also the host. A host. A host? The host? One of the hosts? One of the several thousand hosts. <laughs> no, one of just very few. It was a very competitive job mm-hmm. that he Elite. got yeah. um, at page six. Uh, so he knows everything about the celebrities. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see him performing improv at the famed UCB Theater. That's right. That's short for Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. It's a mouthful. Um, and uh, you guys, it's so exciting to have him here. It's Brian Foss. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's Foss, right? You did it exactly oh right. Thank God. They're going to cut that part out where I asked you. Like, <laughs> I should like, we're, we should have already been friends for 20 years, you know? But I have been friends for 20 years <laughs> with this next panelist. It hasn't been 20, but I pro- I've it's known close. you for probably like 10. I think even, maybe even longer. God, shut your face. <laughs> and I am not copying to anything longer than 10. Okay. He is the director of Trollville, which you should absolutely see on Vimeo on demand. It's so fucking funny. And the cast is ridiculous. And he's amazing. And you can hear him every Thursday on Sirius on Urban View with Karen Hunter. Um, and oh my god he's just one of my favorite Iranian podcasters <laughs> <laughs> and and personalities and comedians you guys it's Sina Kaznavi hey Sina what's up what's up it's great to be back um all right are you guys ready for us to start this show I'm ready to enter the skiff <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, I love it. Shit got topical already. <laughs> okay, here we go with topic number one. What a week for impeachment fans. William Taylor, the top diplomat to Ukraine, laid out a timeline that basically made it clear that the quid definitely proed the quo. Then a group of Republicans, led by everyone's favorite Trump sheep herder, Matt Gates, tried to storm a secure deposition room the skiff, uh, screaming, let us in. And actually, the original chant that they were screaming was, we're running out of ways to defend the president that make any sense, so we're trying this now. But that was just like a little bit of a mouthful, so they just went with let us in, ultimately. Um, You guys, tell me what you thought of just this week. How about that for an open-ended question that leaves you wondering what you'll say? (laughs) Well, first of all, sheep herder is what I got called in high school, so that that (laughs) triggered me. I just want you to know. (laughs) A flashback. (laughs) But what an amazing time when 
pro wrestling has more class than Congress. <laughs> they are at least scripted in pro wrestling, but apparently now they're just rushing the stage. I think they pulled, they folded up some of the chairs. Adam Schiff got hit in the head. He lost the tag team title. <laughs> who's what's going to happen? We'll find out on Monday Night Raw. <laughs> um, is is Matt Gates oiled up? Yeah, is my absolutely. question. Is Mr. Are we Perfect just, Matt Gates on top of his suit? It's I feel just like a I bunch s- of oil. I feel like I saw this plot line on in every Porky's movie. Do you remember Porky's where the, all yeah. the boys are like, that's uh, it. We're going to find out what's in, happening in the girls' locker room. <laughs> what's going on in there? Let, let us me, in. Let me put down the list of movies that don't necessarily hold up, by the way. <laughs> you oh, watch that recently. Like, my, my, this whole production just should get me tuned. <laughs> what's crazy, it's like, the GOP is famous for interrupting women, and this was just a perfect example. We've got this Pentagon official, like, ready to testify, and they're like, nope. Lock her up. I mean, let us in. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, okay. But here's my question, though. So the GOP, because Nancy, I guess, didn't take that Congress-wide vote, they the, the GOP in those committees don't have subpoena power. They have... The committee members have sitting in the room power, um, but they don't have subpoena power. And is there something about that that is troubling to you guys by any chance? You don't necessarily need the vote on the inquiry to conduct the inquiry. True. And each of the committee chairs in their own investigative capabilities are allowed to subpoena for their own investigations. But to your point, they, they, they're they not necessarily subpoenaing for the impeachment. the impeachment part of these things. And I think this is what Nancy is planning on doing, which is creating this snowball effect, which I think is happening a lot easier than maybe she even intended. Right. Because the Republicans just keep stepping on themselves over and over again, jumping into the skiff, which, by the way, Can you imagine if Democrats did that? They would we would be asking Republicans would want them to be waterboarded, sent them to Gitmo. I mean, this is actually illegal what they did. They're not allowed. They violated laws. The sergeant of arms was called. A new character in the soap opera. I was like, sergeant in arms, get ready because you might be dragging someone out of the White House in a few months. Did Kevin Costner put on a suit and uh, load his gun? Oh, my God. I I want to see the Capitol Police. Like, (laughs) I need to see a calendar. (laughs) <laughs> Does the sergeant of arms ever like get to do anything? I mean, he basically hangs out and eats like sweet tarts. Totally. Except for like yesterday when he had to like pull a bunch of GOP away from a door. And yet the protest still lasted for hours. So what did the sergeant of arms do? Um, he was just like really indulging in it. You He's know like Congress's I mean? bouncer. He's like, Mm-mm, you know which Republicans are inside. It's not you guys. <laughs> Bitch, you ugly. You're not getting in here like stuff like in that. In that dress? Um, <laughs> and, and they they actually have they, they didn't stop anything. The testimony still happened. They have transcripts of everything. Right. They've all said once this process is over, they're going to re- start releasing the transcripts after they've take out anything that's confidential or top secret information. So it'll be out. It's it'll be, be out. out. Everyone so contact. Screwed. I, do, I, oh, I think ahead. one thing about the like, you know, not giving them imp- uh, subpoena power is that I just feel like it's the right move because 
everything will turn into oh b- b- hunter biden we need to exactly. invest it like the 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 inquiry would turn into a thing that it's not about which a is an impeachment right it'll just be benghazi emails hunter like you know it, some somehow they'll bring in all the other candidates it'll just be ridiculous if they're allowed i think to uh, uh, subpoena people totally and, and I, I think yeah please i agree i think what we're realizing is that all the testimony just is you know, echoing what is locked in this like hard drive, which is a transcript of the phone call with Ukraine. Yeah. That is like, oh, that was their best idea, which is like, you know what? We're going to take that transcript. We're going to lock it in a hard drive. And it's like, there are people that know that transcript and can say what's like, in what it. just happened. I know. We There's like 12 people it. on the call. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's like, we're just getting that information kind of doubled and tripled, which is all damning. <laughs> were, were you guys um, surprised by the William, um, the William Taylor ambassador uh, to the Ukraine, he was the one that replaced the lady whose name mm-hmm. I'm forgetting, uh, who testified like last week or whatever. Um, so he's been around for a shorter amount of time. And he's also the one for our listeners. Do you guys remember when they were sending when those text messages were released between Gordon Sondland and this was the guy, William Taylor? Uh, William Taylor just wrote these text messages like, hey, bud, think it's super weird that we're like withholding aid in so that the Ukrainians can do a political favor for the press. Just wanted to say that in a text message, you know, those those text messages. And he's a Pompeo a hire. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you you know, but he, I mean the the so the testimony I think by all accounts was damning. Do you would how do you feel like that leaves the Republicans? Yeah, I think the most important part of his testimony that I found was how shocked he was when Gordon Sondland gave him the reasoning, which was the president is a businessman, and when a businessman is going to sign a check, he asks the other person to pay up first. Okay. Well, pay up, pay up. well, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense for a businessman, not the president of the United States, who's asking him to pay up not for something that benefits 100 percent of the United States, like these Republicans bring up the Louisiana Purchase or something. They yeah, did. We the got Alaska the, we deal. All, yeah, we all got Alaska, y'all. <laughs> we all got Louisiana Purchase. It's right. All, it's every United States citizen's par- is part of that deal. Donald Trump's the only one that gets to benefit think, from this. I think you're pointing out something called public interest versus <laughs> personal gain. Of course. Uh, which is not something uh, the GOP dependents have been able to determine the difference between. Um, yeah, that's fucking, it's fucking crazy. And the, the other hilarious thing I feel like about the defense, which feels just like completely shattering. Like, what can they possibly say at this point? I mean, the defense I could come up with this morning yeah, was... That there is that it's not a crime. It's uh, not that I. It, it went from I didn't do it right. to of course I did it, but it was in the interest of the U.S. government or some conspiracy theory. Right, and, and now it's going to get to the point. Yes, I did it, but it's not a crime. And you know what? Let me quickly Google my own document. Um, <laughs> what Matthew Whitaker said? Oh yeah. Ab- what did he say? Abuse of power is not a crime. Abuse of power is not a crime. Sorry, thank you. Of course. Uh, That's essentially the argument that Matthew Whitaker, the former acting AG, said abuse of power is not a crime. Um, But but I think the one thing about high crimes and misdemeanors in that old, uh, what is it, the Constitution? Oh, yeah. um, Is that 
it doesn't have to necessarily be like a crime. It's not like Donnie had to have like stolen from the bodega. It's that I made the smallest crime example there. <laughs> Such the cutest crime example. I just did that yesterday. Are you kidding? <laughs> I can't be impeached. Eric, That's not a crime. Eric Trump famously caught at a Five Guys using the little clear water cup for the soda machine. What? So I'm just saying the Trump family has stolen from a bodega. Uh, ha- have they Have they clicked senior citizen on the on the movie tickets <laughs> when they were not a senior citizen? And over it when they walked through. <laughs> um, so, so the thing with that is that the, the, the high crime and misdemeanor could be just a violation of the office, right? Um, which, I, which I think we all understand as employees of something that you can be fired for something that is not a crime in the, in society, right? right. Uh, but the president was trying to protect your rights, Nagin. He was trying to protect your freedom <laughs> from interference. My freedom from Hunter Biden. From Hunter Biden. He's coming <laughs> after us? Um, I know. Is he he going to be in the Predator? That's the defense. Hunter Biden was trying to invade America (laughs) Mm -hmm. and someone needed to stop him. And that someone was Ukraine. And he picked he picked as his like allies in this fight to take on America, the Ukrainians, the (laughs) the all powerful, fierce fighters, the Ukrainians to come and overthrow American democracy. The other fun thing about this, you guys, there's so many fun things. Um, The other fun thing is that they keep saying no quid pro quo as if that is in itself a defense um, which it is obviously not a defense. It is just a series of words. Well, the subtext is also, I mean, it sounds great because no one knows Latin. It's like, <laughs> it, what is this, a Harry Potter spell? No quid pro, you know. But like, also, it's sort of saying, I, I can't be guilty if I didn't get what I wanted. Yeah. And that's sort of the like, I love the that. elite's perspective on the criminal right. justice system. It's like, well, if it didn't work for me, if I didn't gain anything up from it, it's like the stock market crashed. Like <laughs> my insider trading shouldn't be a crime. I didn't make that much money. Right, and right, that, right, that right. makes so much sense, too, because I've brought this up in regards to the quid pro quo when all the Republicans were saying there was no quid pro quo. The mere utterance of a, a political rival with a, a head of a, of a foreign state talking about your political rival with that person in regards to a deal of any kind, even just saying anything is impeachable. That is like the most sacred thing. When our president even leaves the country and goes abroad, it is an underlying rule in Congress that you're not supposed to talk about crazy foreign policy things because that that takes away from the president's ability to do his job abroad. Right. And and I want to point out, I th- um, one of these uh, dudes was d- defending Trump by saying, there was no quid pro quo because the there was no quo, as in Ukraine didn't know we were withholding military aid. But now so how, we know. But that's what William Tete Junior, don't forget the junior. <laughs> he's he pointed out, um, William Tay Junes, uh, that um Ukraine absolutely knew um, and that Trump directed them to withhold military aid um, and that this all really goes directly to to Trump. The other fun thing about this is that, um, you know, Donnie likes to kind of talk about a deep state working against him. But the 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 interesting thing about all of these people is that they're just career bureaucrats. Some of these people have been there for like 10 years, 20 years, 40 years. I think like one of these guys literally 
quit the white uh, quit the State Department after forty years of service mm-hmm. because he, he just felt felt it was so mistreated. The deep state, it turns out, is in fact like the rogue operation headed by Rudy Giuliani. Um, and it, it, every these guys are just like, hey man, we sit in cubicles and we fucking do diplomacy. Yeah, and uh, we've and- served under different political parties and that the whole point of the State Department is that it's not political. It's like, really? During the Iraq war and the run-up to the Iraq war that no one came forward? Are you kidding me? It's like, now, if no one came forward when we went into a war under complete false pretenses Mm -hmm. and there was not one whistleblower, the only guy that came forward got his wife's CIA uh, identity revealed, Valerie Plame. That was the only guy that, and he didn't even come forward. He was just talking like in an email and Dick Cheney saw it and then he was a rap. No one actually came forward. Nothing ever happened. That just shows you that there is so much deference in the State Department and these career officials to just working with whatever lunatic is in the White House, well, be it a Democrat or a Republican. Sina, can I tell you something really ridiculous about me and my connection to Valerie Plame? Oh, I lo- I'm so excited. <laughs> Valerie Plame, who, as Sina mentioned, her identity was revealed during the Bush administration. She was a spy. Um, she then got a book deal. <laughs> and she wrote a series of spy novels and i am the voice of those spy novels what (laughs) wow so i am basically valerie plame that is so cool wow (laughs) yeah so weird oh and it was really fun because i got to do all these like mi5 like british voices (laughs) and fucking russian voices and it was ridiculous anyways uh so go ahead and listen to those things on audible if you liked homeland you'll love these books by valerie (laughs) plame it's like that kind of shit um, What's your Cheney impression? Is there a Cheney? No, one? I didn't have to do a Cheney impression. <laughs> you just gotta <laughs> kick a side of yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like you have to like. There's you have to like give that voice of like having a, a double chin voice. Um, <laughs> you know, there's like an extra amount of like uh, echo the that sleep comes from the double chin. Voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sleep apnea <laughs> voice. Um, I, I also want to point out a fun thing that ha- I keep saying fun, and it's just because that's where it's great, guys. Life. Um, that the Democrats passed something called the Shield. Act, um, a measure that requires candidates to tell law enforcement um, or no, they're trying to they're putting it up for a vote, I think. Uh, McConnell won't. McConnell won't do it in the Senate, but in the House, they put up for a vote. Um, it would require candidates to tell law enforcement authorities of any efforts to influence U.S. elections by foreign governments and those acting on their behalf. And it's basically just this like fun little move to get the GOP to have to vote on it, like to like take a stand. Like, do we believe in this or not? Um and it's not going to go anywhere. Like you said, McConnell's not going right. to put it up for a vote. But I thought uh, that it was like a, a cute And the name is thing. very GOP friendly. Shield Act. Back to Michael Chiklis. Yeah, there we go. The Shield Act. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, last question on this, you guys. Do you think the base will hold? Which, I mean, if which fe- base? Trump's base. Do you feel like they're just going to... Just be like, nope, this is a witch hunt. This is a witch hunt. This is a witch hunt. Because you're right. Some people will be like, I think the muddying of the of the argument is this happened. Yes. And like you said, it's not a big deal. It's nothing impeachable. Um, So what are we talking about? One hundred percent. Absolutely. They will hold. They are have taken the line. They have taken his side, hook, line and sinker. They are going to go along for this ride forever. And they don't even call it a witch hunt anymore. It's a coup. 
They're calling it a coup, which involves the military, by the way. None of them bother looking up even the most cursory definition (laughs) of how they're even describing the overthrow of this Uh, president. No, isn't it also... A lynching? Oh, yeah. oh, I can't believe you said I it. Are they going to beat that? Are they going to bleep that? I felt uncomfortable yeah. quoting the fucking president mm-hmm. who he called is it a He a master lynching. of distraction, though. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. His little, like, you know, Trump-supporting GOP Congress people who, like, did the run on the skiff. Yeah. Like, they're not so great at distraction. Like, they were, look, it looked like a a run through for a bad theater production, yeah. you know, yeah, they're like get to yeah. the spiral staircase. We're doing this. <laughs> you know? like a really bad improv group scene where everyone's talking at the same time. They're like, no, <laughs> yeah. who's leading? Yes. <laughs> well, guys, you know what? Let's see what continues to happen in this uh, thing occurring to our country. Um, what? Yes. All of those words. Um, <laughs> let's take a quick break and uh, learn about our sponsors. Our sponsors who are incidentally fantastic at keeping the show going and uh and then when we come back we'll uh we'll discuss we'll talk about your friends this headgum podcast is brought to you by aura frames that is right uh from grandmothers to new mothers aunts even the friends of your life every mom loves an aura frame holy shit even aunts yes especially aunts oh well because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an aura frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there, and you know what? You can update it with an app, so every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm-hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HEADGUM at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. I have used Rocket Money. And you guys, honestly, I had no idea how many things I was subscribing to that I didn't want to be subscribing to. I think we all go into, we enter into subscriptions with a Pollyanna view that we're going to use as a subscription, even though it's a super obscure, you know, education app from Albania that uh, teaches Russian math or whatever. And then you're like, I'm never going to use this. Why did I get it? I should remember to cancel it. And then you don't. 
And I know you guys are like me and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering and Rocket Money is there to help because basically Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing. To unsubscribe, you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you with a click of a button. It's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I mean, tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you, Rocket Money, for like fixing the shame glaze on my life. Uh, so stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation, you guys. Eat stress-free this spring with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready-to-eat in just two minutes. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also, discover more than 60 add-ons every week like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Folks, I feel like I've mentioned this before, but I tried other services that I was displeased with. And then a neighbor of mine was trying Factor. I had pulled them aside in the hallway and I was like, what are you feeling about this Factor? And they were like, it is delicious. You should definitely do it. So then me and my husband did it and we loved it. They are chef-prepared meals that arrive to your door, and then in two minutes, you could be eating them. Like, it's so simple, and they're actually delicious. And for people like me who just sometimes, my schedule can be so maniacal between traveling in different cities and, you know, doing stand-up gigs. It's like I just don't have a typical schedule where I can plan, set aside time for cooking and all that stuff. So something like Factor really helps for me. The other thing that I love to do is try not to eat carbs. <laughs> so they have a keto option, which is fantastic. It's super delicious. They use premium ingredients. You can get stuff with like filet mignon and shrimp and truffle butter and broccolini and asparagus, right? Like real ingredients. There are no fuss, no mess meals. Um, they eliminate the hassle of having to prep. They're tailored to your schedule. Um, you can customize your weekly meals uh, with flexibility. You can pause or reschedule. I've actually done that. I've, pa I've both paused and rescheduled. Um, Factor is basically your solution for fast premium meals without the need for cooking. We're celebrating Earth Day all month long. And look out for the Earth Month Eats badge on the menu for the lowest carbon footprint meals. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should head to factormeals.com slash fakethenation50 and use the code fakethenation50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. That's code fakethenation50 at factormeals.com slash fakethenation50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. 
we are back and we're ready for topic number 1.5. Guys, I'm doing a quick, shorty, little baby topic again about Canada because um, for our, Cana- our Canadian listeners already know this, but American listeners probably don't because we don't fucking pay attention to other countries because we're garbage. Um, Justin Trudeau is still prime minister. They had an election and uh, and he and his party won. Um, and I, I want to point out that he ran on a very aggressive climate change platform, which included a carbon tax. Um, and he pledged to plant two billion trees um, and to s- adopt substantially more ambitious greenhouse emissions goals um, to get to net zero emissions by 2050, which all um, the experts agree is what we really need to do if we want to like, I don't know, whatever, save the planet. So uh, what do you, I mean – and, and we all know that Justin Trudeau's campaign was beset by a bit of scandal. Uh, what do you guys think? I mean, I love seeing that tweet. I forget who it was from that was like, can you believe it? Justin Trudeau is still the prime minister and he didn't win the popular vote. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine? And and all of the, you know, retweets were like, that's not how a parliament works. That's not how parliament works. <laughs> but cute, yeah, yeah, cute yeah, yeah, analogy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised he won because... You know, he is, aside from this scandal, you know, known as this very progressive leader and has brought, like, mostly honor to the Canadian people. I... I was a little worried about the blackface scandal for him. Well, they weren't in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) They're way too chill about blackface in Canada. Way too chill over there. When you saw him in, like, traditional non-Western civilization outfits... Leading up to this moment, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You, you were like, "Oh, he's that guy. He's in- he's that guy Indian, who gets invited yeah. to an Indian wedding and is like, I'm going all out.'" And you're like, "You don't have to. <laughs> you could just wear a suit and tie." And he's like, "No, no, <laughs> Justin, no, you're sweet. You're sweet. No, no, I'm gonna come big. I'm gonna go big." <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I am excited by how how aggressive his climate change platform is. Yeah, I, I think it's important. I think we should also remember Canada's former prime minister for like 10 years was it oh, super conservative. And Canada went through a very dark you know what? period. Thanks for reminding us because I don't even think most people knew that. Continue. Yeah, that's one of the reasons how he came into power is yeah. that they had such a conservative prime minister and things were not going well and how you know times change and everything like that. I think they're just willing to be like, OK, so he's a young guy. He's done a lot of silly things. He also used to, when he'd be at bars, he'd do this thing where he fake fall down steps as like a gag. What? Yeah, he does all he's done all this. He's basically the guy at the frat we all knew that was not too creepy, but just a little bit weird when he got drunk. I bet he's good at hacky sack. Can we just say I bet he's like really good at it. It's the national sport, isn't it? No, that's Um, mean. He reminds me like there was a guy in my college dorm that used to make banana wine in his closet. Oh my god. And Fuck that guy. Wait, did you try it? Yes. Uh, it was gross. Yeah. <laughs> Just for the record, it was super gross. Um, but I... <laughs> and he's like, wait, wait, while you're Seriously? here, while you're here, I've been working on a little acoustic Dave Matthews yeah. band oh, satellite. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. All of those things happen. I can like smell it in my mind. <laughs> It's when he was a gross person as well. So the whole thing, the old endeavor. Is it endeavor. fair to say that these scandals in 2019 only give you press... And as long as you like double down on what the you know public feels about you or, or thinks about you, that it actually doesn't stick. 
Like, isn't like it's the right. whole Elizabeth I guess, Warren I guess the, issue, the, you know? Yeah, uh, I think uh, the yeah, I like this line of thinking that basically the Teflon Don is now kind of everyone is Teflon. Like nothing really sticks because the news cycle is so fast that who cares? Yeah. And if there is a fun, I mean, I think the Ralph Northam thing in in Virginia is also a good example of that. It's just like he's still governor, right? And he had a blackface incident, and so um, I, I think also the calculation that people are able to make is is it better for us to have this person in office despite his blackface history um, knowing what he's trying to do in both cases I mean they're you know they're pretty they're progressive and it brings out the base to then over defend the person and that creates more you know just press yeah 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 I hear you all right well I feel like we talked about Canada um, for like a second oh Canada that's Thank all you. I know. That was beautiful. That was <laughs> That's beautiful. all I know. Let us move on to actual topic number two. Uh, so we read a piece in The Atlantic called Why You Never See Your Friends Anymore by Judith Sholovitz. And it sta- and it started with this interesting history that I didn't know that I thought was really exciting about the Soviet Union. Um, they had something called Naprervika. I'm totally mispronouncing that. And so what they did, what they wanted to do um, is turn the Soviet Union from an agrarian economy into an industrial economy, right? And so they wanted to have, to be very competitive, seven-day work weeks so that like their factories would just work seven days a week, no breaks. And so they got rid of the weekend as we know it. So it wasn't like the Saturday-Sunday deal. What you got instead was a card and it had a color on it. And that color indicated what days you got off. And so you were purple, you know, orange, red, blue, whatever. And then based on that, you would have, oh, I have a Mondays off or whatever it is. And so that what happened was people became friends with the, the only purples. person with other purples. Um, and then all, also weird things would happen where you'd be like, I have the day off, but my kids are at school. So then I guess I'll never see my kids. Um, husbands and wives, even they were they were supposed to have the same color card, uh, just that wasn't prioritized. So they often had different days off. So the whole thing was just a disaster um, and created like a lot of just discontent because people were like, I just don't see anyone. I'm sad. I'm lonely. And I don't want to fucking hang out with purples like i barely know any purples you know um and so i guess <laughs> now the argument the argument that this article is kind of making is that we've sort of put ourselves into a neprevka um where we are we all have this kind of constant working schedule so we never see each other anymore and we all have different color cards um does it does that ring true does it feel that way I mean, I have scheduling issues with all my friends. Like, I'm going to see a concert tonight, and two out of the five people are probably, like, going to show up in the middle of the concert because of work right? or, like, something that just came up. And I I think that's, like, it's a constant hassle. And, like, every group text is, like, you're just waiting to see who bails first, you know? And I think that's it's not a personal failing. I think it's speaking to this larger thing, which is, like, we're always on the clock working, you know— Little side gigs and and little extra things. And if you're a parent, those side gigs are your kids, are your kids like traveling hockey team or whatever. And it's like just everyone's overbooked. I I always thought this was a product of growing up with immigrant parents Mm. and that like work ethic of like constantly working and constantly like the self-sacrifice is the only way you'll be able to succeed. Yeah. But really it's just 
the sign of the times. It's like culture has just shifted. Late capitalism. Just like exactly. It's like where we are. I'm constantly working. In fact, the weekends are some of my most favorite times to work during the day because you don't get very many emails. Exactly. No one's. <laughs> there's nothing inbound. No one's just like, why'd you? Why is this broken? You know? Right. 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 <laughs> it's like I don't have to do anything but just like do the work, and then you go and have somewhat whatever's left of an evening. But then scheduling is so impossible. Miserable. There are friends now where we I ha, that I have where I, we joke when it's like let's go to dinner. We'll start an email and then I'll just be like, okay, goodbye forever. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just like never see them. Yeah, no, I have like a standing lunch with a a, a couple of ladies and uh, you know t- two of my really good friends. And this last lunch, it took us like weeks to figure out when we were going to do this lunch. It was just it just it it becomes impossible, and I guess. Do you guys have any spontaneity in social life anymore? I, I'm more likely to text like day of like in two hours, I'm going to go see Zombieland 2, which is something <laughs> I did this week. I Ooh. had like a two hour window. Nice. I texted three friends who were like in, you know, the tra- vicinity. trainable distance of that. And like one followed through and was like, yeah, I'll be there. I like wow, to, that's nice. So I think maybe that's like the solution to this is like don't plan ahead. Sure, if you're doing like a well, then it also bachelor feels like party or it whatever. It feels like then it's nothing's ever going to happen. Yeah, like because I mean it, you, that was an example, but I mean I think truthfully the the what happens is then you end up hanging out with people that aren't good friends. Right, <laughs> They're right. They're people who are like proximity Available. friends. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that's life. That's like being in your 30s. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, spontaneity is tough. I mean, I think at times I will spontaneously drink alone. That's something I'll do spontaneously. Oh, wow. Like, um, you'll go to a bar? I'll just go to a bar. I'll be like, I got some time. to go to this bar to hang out with strangers. Sounds Someone's like you're said, showing up you, drunk already. <laughs> do, you, do you talk to the... Yeah, I make friends, I make friends with anybody that's around me. And then I got an hour that I got to go back to work or do whatever. But then I have friends that are like, hey, we never hang out. Why don't you come? I'm just like, I don't know. You know, it's just, <laughs> we got, like, you never hang out. I was like, okay, let's have a hangout. They're like, well, we got to hang out like, like next month. I'm like, yeah, I got things. I got things to do. I got plans. I'm sorry. You know, I got student loans. Wait, okay. So what, yes. the, the tone I'm getting from your voice here, <laughs> which is a beautiful voice, by the way. It's very elegant. <laughs> oh, God. Um, it gets real tight when I get excited. The, the tone I'm getting is that it almost makes you angry to have friends. <laughs> Sometimes, yes. <laughs> like, you just are like, why the fuck do I have friends? I think it's the friends that are trying to guilt me in the fact that I am working too much. And like the, when this article like didn't address is that in late capitalism, in people that are in our 30s or millennials, in our age group especially, we have a lot of student loans. And oh, my six-figure student mm-hmm. loan debt is not going to get paid off if I'm having dinners every night. Right, with right, my right, 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 yeah. right, right. Like I have to hustle way more than the other person or way more than these boomers that left us with the worst economy since the Great Depression. Oh, so God, yeah. <laughs> that that is where at least my head's at with these things. And yeah, I go to a bunch of weddings. That's when I end up seeing everybody. So okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, do okay now in terms of like society. Uh, giving us some sort of a framework that forces us into hanging out. Um, Do you... So there was a time when things were closed on Sundays. I think in some maybe states, things are maybe more closed on Sundays. There's blue laws. You can't go to the liquor store. Yeah, Pennsylvania. Like, we don't have that in New York. Um, I think, though, when I first moved to New York, 
liquor stores were closed on Sundays. And in New York, you can't buy liquor from a grocery store because liquor stores have to be like um, small businesses. They can't be chains. Right, 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 right. So there's like things in place to keep people from having fun. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I think like you're right. Like the kind of forced time on the weekends. Yeah. Like, used so to I, I, I guess it used to happen. And. Do you wish that something like that existed so that Sundays couldn't just also turn into a day where everyone in retail still had to work, everyone in commerce still had to do, you know, commerce? But isn't, that, isn't that presuming, though, that the 40-hour work week is still viable, which I don't I don't think it really is anymore. <sighs> right. I don't think 40 hours or even ascribing an hour hourly rate to work is really the way forward in the kind of new economy where it should be value. What value right. do you bring to whatever job or whatever business that you're doing? It's a much better way to measure how what what is productivity at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, so do you so you seem committed to the working all the time that you're doing. I mean, when I pay these student loans off, I will retire. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot tell you how well, something about this Soviet story that I think I read right was that they turned it into a five day week. Yeah. So then they were like, uh, Monday's now Blur's Day or whatever. <laughs> and so then I think that's probably where it failed. In, right. Instead of being like, you get one of these days off, or t- re- in reality, two of these off, instead they're like, you get one fifth of the week off, which is like, I think just too weird like during the french revolution they tried to like change the calendar and change how many hours are in the day and it's like you can't throw that much at people like there's only so much we can handle the europeans they take a break after lunch they just take a nap and they they go for a more social lunch environment and i think that would also long lunches that Mm -hmm. would be helpful in spain they have dinners late that are big family dinners that's just like built into society. We're the ones we in America. We don't have, I know. I mean, it's funny. I remember when I was living in Paris. Um, <laughs> that, it's like, oh my God, are you going to start reciting La La Land? And no, I, listeners know I live in Paris. And I remember that like, I, I had this job teaching English and uh, I had many jobs and I was I had to wake up early hungover and uh, go to work. And I, I remember like walking into like a brasserie and trying to get a coffee to go uh, and um, and the fucking <laughs> I know I hate myself more than you guys hate me. No one can hate me more. Um, and the guy was like, we don't. Do, like we don't do that. That's what. And I was—he's like, just sit, sit here and drink your coffee. And <laughs> Take I was a like, minute. I was like, no, but I got—I gotta go to work. You know, isn't there a coffee size in France that's like almond? It's like a small noisette. Enough, yeah, it means almond. It's size. like a little, and it's a in it. Yeah, it's An a little baby with coffee? a little milk. A little in yeah. America, someone would get murdered if you were like, <laughs> uh, yes, here is your almond sized coffee. <laughs> I mean, it's it's in a actually- baby cup. <laughs> You know, but I've been to Paris, not to brag. And it's totally weird. Like you have to go to a Starbucks to get a coffee to go. Right. Which I in in Starbucks there are a couple in Paris, unfortunately. But it's 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 a it's a thing that hasn't totally caught on because the idea that you would walk around like some sort of vagrant holding a fucking cup <laughs> and spilling liquid. it of hot liquid and spilling it all over your body is just so inelegant mm. um, and and antisocial and just it is and the funny thing is they don't it's not like they're crazy they have a sense of time there of urgency their urgency is 
we have these standing tables. So instead of taking like a 30-minute leisurely sit where you read the paper, you do a nice 10-minute stand and you drink your noisette and then you oh, go. I like that. Uh, yeah. And uh, they have these like nice counters like everywhere. Um and so th- there is something about the way we st- structured everything that is so hell-bent on productivity and do this while you're walking. Don't ev- ever enjoy food on its own terms in a place. Like, always be on-the-go eating, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, even in New York City here, there's all these new, like— Good food, but it's fast food, you know, like roasted or whatever those places. Dig in. Dig in, exactly. All those places because our generation, again, is like constantly moving or we all are doing this constantly moving. But we're like, okay, well, we all can't go to McDonald's every single day for lunch, even though that's actual fast food. We want this to be a better experience. And Italy's the same way. They do the same thing. They're just like, there's no to go. Just sit. Just stand. And it's also they just do espressos. As opposed to us, where a venti yeah. is how we drink with 20, <laughs> 20 ounces of caffeine pouring into our bodies that then perpetuate us to do all this crazy stuff even more. So, yeah. So, I guess everything about our culture is do it quickly so that you can do the thing that you've already overscheduled and while never seeing your friends. And the other interesting thing that this article brought up was that they pointed out that scheduling gets in the way of democracy because in places like Iowa where there are caucuses, it requires a lot of time. How can you commit yourself to a caucus when you're like, well, I have like 16 other appointments that day? So I thought that was an interesting point because it really does – it gets in the way in the civic process. Meanwhile, the civic process should be the thing that we prize, but we don't. I was thinking about Election Day being a national holiday. Yeah. And and then I immediately thought, oh, there's going to be election day sales. And suddenly <laughs> people are going to start scheduling their weddings on three day election, election day, day weekend. Yeah. And it's like, well, we're going to make it fireworks themed or whatever. Yeah. And it will just become another thing that people don't do because if you're given a day off. Which you, we have so few. So few. Yeah. I didn't get indigenous people's day off at my job this year. And like the – the actual company holidays are like five total. Like the day after Thanksgiving is not a holiday, but like election day would just become another thing. Yeah. Well, you know the um, the uh, Iraq Afghanistan Veterans Association, the IAVA, they've actually proposed donating Veterans Day to Election Day. Perfect timing. And making that hey, a day off. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, and that is like the most reasonable thing. Where they're like, we've sacrificed so much. Take the day. You idiots. And people have like barbecues. It'd be fun. No one. What do people do on Veterans Day? Especially if it's on a Tuesday and Monday is still aggressively a work day. You know, that I don't know. The number of people that can't vote because they can't do work. Yeah, it's it's insane. And of course, Republicans will not support this because the people that are generally unable to vote because they have to work are people that skew Democratic. P.S. Reminder, you guys, we have early voting in New York City. Oh, yeah. Early Love voting that. in New York. Uh, I want to just close by by reading this thing and seeing what you guys feel about it. It says totalitarian. It's, this is a quote, sorry, from Hannah Arendt. Um, for, she wrote in The Origins of Totalitarianism. Totalitarian movements are mass organizations of atomized, isolated individuals. Um do you feel like we're becoming increasingly atomized and isolated because we're in a structure where we can't see our friends and we're over we have these overdetermined schedules? Um, and do you feel like that explains a little bit of the the little bit the attraction of like some you know, like a Trump movement? Wow. I do think like the 
activities that people would normally do, like go to church and like go to the yeah. you know church basement and eat bad pancakes, like those our generation or the next generation isn't doing. Instead, they're doing kind of a la carte activities. Yeah. Like I do a pop-in yoga class where I don't have to actually talk to anyone. Which is sad. And I – so – wait, what was your question? <laughs> Not like – I'm like thinking about yoga. <laughs> <laughs> But I do think Adama, is, is, the is activities it, have become more isolating yeah. and it feels empowering because you get to choose your schedule and everyone's schedule is super individualized, right, but it's right. actually going to um, like destroy us. Sure. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Cena, <Basic>. are we? <laughs> I don't know how to follow that. No, but I think basic human interaction is key because I just had this conversation at an event last night where I was in a group of people. We thought everyone was a liberal, but one gentleman was a conservative and he didn't say anything while we were all just like, you know, giving Trump the dozens and making fun of everything that he's been doing. And he's like, you know, I actually voted for Trump. And then like the room gets quiet, but I get really excited because I get to engage with the Trump voter. And so I just, I was just like, oh, wonderful. Tell me why. And he's like, I'm actually not really excited about anything that he's been doing since then. I wanted to shake things up. He didn't like Hillary. I said, how how does it make you feel that things are happening this way now? He goes, well, I, I didn't expect this to happen. And we were just able to have a, chat. a real chat. And it was only because we were having a conversation. He had the courage to say that he was a Trump voter. And we actually had the decency not to call him a racist and a fascist. But we were just I was just curious about how he was feeling. I think we all can do that these days. Well, that's a lovely note to end on. <laughs> um, uh, the two two notes, uh, with the other one being that uh, it'll destroy us. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> um, all right, let us move on. Uh, we'll get, and listeners, let me know what you think. Uh, do you see your friends? I mean, I, I yeah, I, I hope that you do. And I don't know. I hope that this kind of like puts a little fire up our butts to see our friends, regardless of how difficult it is to schedule with them. Uh, Let us move on to topic number three. Um, So I saw this article on how to give people advice they'll be delighted to take by Anna Goldfarb. And it really got me to thinking about advice and whether it works. Um, Do you guys ever give advice? Or do you you force yourself not to? What is your position on advice giving? Because I know it can be... Years ago, I had a friend very close to him. We were still very – I was a groomsman in his oh wedding. And I'm already stressed out by the start of this story. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> and he had a he had a girlfriend that oh. was a gold digger. She was just, just transparently – And she was uh, racist as well. <gasps> I mean, I was like – see, and we were roommates at the time. And I was just every day seething with anger about what was happening. And he was like in love, you know, blinded by the light. And he just – would not see this. And so eventually I was like, I'm moving out. I got to go. And I eventually, so I found out some things. I may or may not have gone through her glove compartment on her car when because we were sharing a car. And I found out that her name was not her name. <gasps> wow. And then I was like, oh, another, this is the, this is the, this is it. And I called and I told him that and he put me on speakerphone and it was this whole thing. And I started Wait, just. Did to, and she was in the room? She was in the room, apparently. And I was just went in. I was like, you cannot trust this person. She is bad news. She is. Just... And you knew you were on speakerphone. Well, at midway through my rant, I realized that was on speakerphone. When, you know, when the other person's talking, you can kind of hear. And then, But, you know, you're in such a moment because you really my intention was to protect my friend. Yeah. And I was, you know. 
really difficult. And I yelled. I lost my cool. It was a really bad thing. We didn't talk for a year. Oh, my God. He ended up breaking up with her because he found out all the things. I ended up being right. But it didn't make me feel good to be right. It was terrible. I didn't have a friend for a year. Yeah. And even his parents were just like, well, you tried. And so what it made me realize was you can't come down hard on your friends when you want to give them advice. I like to take the approach of what my therapist does, which is I'm curious why... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> why you want to do that. I'm, I'm curious as to why you feel that way or just asking probing questions to get the other person talking and kind of guide them is really the best way to give advice, I think. Well, my the the thing I always do, which is a huge mistake, is I've been in a relationship for, you know, more than a decade. And I love giving my single friends dating advice about, like, how to do the apps better, even though I am not on any apps. <laughs> but it's like, I like to mansplain how to, like, you know, hack Tinder. (laughs) And it never goes over well because like what people want to do, they don't want to know how to do it differently. They they want to know how to feel about it differently. And that's something you can't do Mm. for someone. So if you're like, no, no, here's what you have to do. It's only uh, set a timer. So you only spend 30 minutes a day on the app and then like turn it off, you know? And I come up with all these like little hacks that have nothing to do with how the app or the dating life makes you feel. And so I've, learned over the years to kind of like shut up or just take the app from them and do it myself. And then you start to feel what it's like to be on one of these things. Right. And then you realize, oh, this is demeaning to everyone involved. <laughs> and I can see why this might affect your brain and make you sad, you know? And so I think like what this article uh, pointed out that I really, uh, really resonated with me was people want to hear advice from someone who is an expert in the field. You know, even if it's a perceived thing, like a life coach or a a psychologist who's not technically a a psychiatrist or something, just someone who has, like, expertise on it. So I realize, like, now if someone's like, hey, can I send you my comedy sketch? And I'm like, what's this for? What kind of notes do you want me to give? You know? Because you're reaching out to me because I make comedy and that's, like, what I do. But it's like, they might not want a bunch of this might be like a, a toast at a wedding. Well, you know, they might not they might just want to hear like, this is great. Maybe change this one joke, you know? Yeah. And that's all the advice they want. So yeah. I try to like, decide like what kind of advice people want. And like another thing that makes me think of is in my relationship with my wife, which I'm gonna do exactly the same thing <laughs> you were just talking to. We actually do this thing where if something's happening, I usually will want to jump in and try to help. Yeah. And so now we actually do this thing where I see a problem and I'm just like, hey, do you need empathy or do you need problem solving? (laughs) (laughs) Because it's such a robotic way to do it. And she's just like, oh, great. And it's helpful for both of us because if you just need empathy, you know, coming in with like, all right, here's what we got to do. We got to get get a Google calendar. I'll make a Slack channel (laughs) and then we're going to get this done. Right. No. And that's, I think, and that's always been my, like, whenever friends are complaining about something, my immediate thought is about solutions. I get, it's not even like, I just get excited. I'm like, ooh, now it's time to strategize. (laughs) A puzzle. Yes. I just enjoy it. And, uh, and then I remember like, oh, fuck, people like, don't necessarily give a shit about my enjoyment of solutions. Um, also, I, I mean, because my, I, you know, I think uh, I try not to wallow too much in disappointment, you know, and I, and I, tr- and personally, I always immediately start making lists, you know, um, and and so I'm like, oh, surely people don't want to wallow, but I think. Th- 
the fact of the matter is sometimes they need to wallow for a while. And hear someone say, that sucks. That That's sucks. bullshit. Exactly. It sucks that happened to you. You don't deserve that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's what sometimes people want to hear. Exactly. Yeah. It's funny, like, a, a friend of mine was having, like, a, a problem with her kid. And I don't, I mean, I don't know anything about motherhood, even though I am one. And, um, <laughs> and, and I, I, you know, but, I, you know, I didn't know what to, I knew that, like, Especially when it comes to like kids stuff, it's very touchy. Um, but uh, one thing I said was, like, you know what, a friend of mine, and this is actually the article talked about ways that y- you know you can give advice that's helpful. And one of them is to sort of be like, I've been there, and this is what I did. Is to sort of like insert. So uh, another friend of mine had a kid problem, like a behavioral issue and she went to a psychologist and psychologist gave her like tools on how to deal with her kid and like you know she went from being super miserable to like now knowing all the tricks of the trade and being very happy um and and how to handle her kids tantrums um and so i i sort of mentioned that and uh and this is something that she was probably already kind of percolating in her mind and she ended up going to a a, a specialist in kid stuff and and got the kind of advice that you pay for, right? And it's the advice you're most likely to take. And as the article points and out. And it sounds better than saying, have you tried a therapist? Right. Which is like just throwing crap at the wall when really it's like, oh, this thing actually worked for someone I know. Yeah. Or worked for me. Yeah. You can take it or leave it. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, because, uh, you know, you there's a very fine line between being preachy and being helpful um, and seeming like I think that there, this is I find an issue. God, I was, I'm, I'm about to be gendered that I find with a lot of my male friends mm. is they have a hard time like admitting that they need help or that they're asking for advice and they actually want to they'll maybe ask for advice but do they want to hear it no you know what i mean Can like you just tell me i'm doing a good job <laughs> <laughs> that's what i came here for right is that what this coffee was it, about it is the cliche of like i know how to get there i, know how I don't to get need the, directions i don't need you i don't fucking need you yeah, yeah. thank you i'm an adult <laughs> it's like that thing kind of muscles i'm so strong <laughs> <laughs> And so, yeah, so I feel like um, when you come up with, like, when when it's more collaborative, um, it kind of helps protect egos that might be involved in the advice getting. I was an RA in college, and something they taught taught me at age 18, which is – or 19, which just to repeat back what the person says. Yeah. And that has worked for me so much. Because sometimes people just don't hear what they're saying and say, you literally say, what I hear you saying is, and just like repeat it back. And like, it's almost like an acting exercise. Right. And the person's like, you're right. <laughs> and it's like, they are at the precipice of their own advice. But sometimes you just need to like, <laughs> just say it out loud. And so often I find when you're in that place where you're in a panic or you're in like a stressor, your brain is hijacked. You can't really think clearly. No. For me, I know it's like I need like to eat something usually. It's really what helps. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day, it's usually very simple. But really a lot of times it's like I just – where am I? What is happening? I don't know how to make decisions. I'm spinning out of control. And then if someone could just kind of actively listen about what's happening, whether it's empathy or maybe some light problem solving, then it's just, okay, okay, fine. But you do have to take that first step of asking for help. And I know that that's something that I've 
worked on over a long time. And one piece of advice that always works is don't send that email. <laughs> yeah. If you have some rant Sleep or, on it. Yeah. Grudge. Yes, the best don't advice send is it. you know what? Put in your drafts folder. Don't yeah, send it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sleep on it. Don't yeah, send it. yeah, yeah. Every tweet. <laughs> yeah, or, or write it, get it out of your system. Yeah. 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 But don't send it is, yeah. uh, is also always like, because sometimes you do just need to get something out of your, a fucking rant out of your system against, you know. You guys don't talk to yourselves at your desk instead of writing? <laughs> no? Of course. <laughs> just, I'm usually yelling it by myself at home. But um, well, listeners, let me know what you think about uh, advice giving. How do you give it? Do you ever give it? Uh, oh, and I also want to point out, I feel like there's a little bit of a cultural component too, because Iranians will fucking throw advice in your face like it's their job. And it's like not a big deal. It's, I mean, you know what I mean? No one's like wounded because an adv- advice was given. I feel like it's definitely more, there's definitely more American sensitivity around it than there is like in Iran, for example. Constant critiquing and judgment slash advice. Even when yes. you're not like asking for it. Oh. Like, yes. Have you thought Espe- about getting a higher paid job? Especially when you're not asking for it. <laughs> what about the life insurance? Did you get the life insurance? Get the life insurance. Call it State Farm. <laughs> always, always State Farm. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, you guys. Uh, that's the end of the show. How do you feel? I'm feeling like I need to reach out to a few closer friends Ooh. and and maybe let them know <laughs> I'm going to text you randomly a spontaneous plan. <laughs> Does that work for you? <laughs> Is that something I can do? So it's like maybe, you know, splitting the difference. By the way, I have a friend that we agreed we that we would have a standing thing where if he's ever near my, like within 20 blocks of me that he would text me. Cause we both have kids now. So it's like harder. Of course. And so also veteran of the show, Justin Krebs, uh, he's at moveon.org. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Cena. Um, what do you, how do you feel? Yeah. Uh, I've got a little heartburn. Right. Uh, I've got, yeah. <laughs> I feel mildly stressed, which is pretty normal. Uh, uh-huh. And I feel guilty that I don't do a better job hanging out with friends. So great. Net positive, I think, <laughs> for the day. Well, you know, Zantac was just recalled. So exactly. You got to pre-take that. that, too. Oh, so annoying. Hey, try the apple cider vinegar. <laughs> is that a solution? Oh, I don't know. God. I just said, don't listen to me. Um, all right, you guys. Uh, I would love for the people of Fake the Nation to be able to follow you and all the stuff that you do. Tell them where they can find you. You. you can find me on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, on Twitter, it's Brian underscore Foss. And on Instagram, it's Brian Fostagram. Ooh. Follow me. Nice. Stalk me. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, Cena John J O N. And on TikTok, Cena underscore G, which is what? hilarious. TikTok is so funny. Are you y'all. flossing on TikTok? I am not doing anything. I did one video, but like, boy, does TikTok bring me joy. Those, really? The Chinese did it. They did it. They figured out how to make people happy on social media. I don't know. They're going to use it to take over the country, but whatever. It's fine. (laughs) It still doesn't give me that much joy. It just sort of feels random. The kids playing pranks on their parents and like the little cute music videos. The Twitter um, aggregator cursed TikToks was the thing bringing me joy. And then TikTok fought with Twitter over it and they took it down. But it was like a... It was all the weirdest ones, the oh, ones that didn't I, go well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were, you know, it, for me, TikTok, I'm looking into people's like living rooms, and all I can think of is like, paint that wall. <laughs> <laughs> you need a better couch. Close the closet. Yeah, for crying out loud. Open, open a curtain. Use some natural light. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I, I, I just fucking don't. Uh, I mean, I, and it's I tried. I'm, and I might try again. I might try again. We'll see what happens. Um, you guys know where to find me. And I wanted to mention, actually, um, that one of our Fake the Nation alum, uh, Kendra Cunningham, has a new album coming out. And it's called Less Bitter, More Glitter. And it's um, an album from Kendra Cunningham and Katina Correo. It drops Tuesday, October 29th. Um, uh, so please find that on the internet you can get it on itunes and all the places where you download albums and these two women uh i think we all know them they're fucking super hilarious um so please support that album you really 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 won't uh be sorry you'll have such a good time but what i really want to do is um thank all of the people that make this show possible that's our producer harry nelson our talented audio engineer andy christens gabby alter wrote our theme music lily fleshler helps with research and you guys we'd love to hear from you send us your feedback um, topics we should be covering, guests we should have on. Uh, you can leave us a voicemail at 347-770-4981 or drop us a line at comptofakethenation.com. Make sure to check out Stitcher Premium where you can hear ad-free versions of this show and many other shows and we'll maybe even have some bonus episodes coming in the new year. Ah, we might. Um, and if you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because it helps people find the show. That's a real thing. All right. Goodbye, everybody. We love you so much. Shh.